Authority who render rage and necessity by turning countries into labor camps, modern slavers and dragons champions of freedom. Sinister, cynical. Hey, welcome everybody. This is the Planet Ant Filmcast. My name is Mitch Haba, and today I am joined by a special guest. His name is Justin Vieira. Hello, Justin. Hey, Mitch. How you doing? Pretty good. Today, we are going to talk about the movies Sorry to Bother You, Boots Riley's film, uh, first film, directorial and writer debut, and Spike Lee's Black Klansman. These movies came out a couple, few months ago. But we're just now getting to it because it is the day before the midterms. Yay! Yay. <laughs> 2018, uh, November 5th, right? No, 8th. Uh, I think we're five days away, so 6th? 5th. It is the 5th. Okay. Monday the 5th. Okay. I'm, I've got it. I've got this. I'll remember to vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> um, November 5th, everybody. Go vote. Yes. <laughs> uh, early, often, and yes. And uh, yes. A bunch of times. Yes. All of those. All of those. Um, just, you know, get pull a bunch of people in, have people vote, you know, all that stuff. Millions of people voting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I usually, uh, before I go vote, like... <laughs> To my all my Facebook friends make a post like if anybody needs a ride you know please let me know mm-hmm. because I don't want anybody to be stuck at home right you know good for you that's awesome yeah um cool so speaking of voting and p- politics you are pretty active in the Democratic Socialists of America correct? yeah yeah cool. I keep up with all their stuff I've been um, in the national uh, org for about. Uh, coming close to a year now Mm -hmm. and they just recently got uh, over 50,000 members and right they've been really kind of accelerating there I think they started the year or we started the year at something like uh, 30,000 and ending the year uh, coming close to 60 now yeah that's registered members registered members yeah Yeah, that's impressive Mm -hmm. yeah they're they're growing very fast Um, it's a, a scary thing for some people but when you actually read you know, their platform, it's pretty reasonable. Um, I align myself pretty closely with them. So there's a surprising amount of people that, that are afraid of everybody having healthcare. Yeah. Well, you know, if you start giving healthcare, who's going to pay for it? (laughs) As if, as if you don't already pay for everybody's healthcare through your insurance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we already pay uh, twice as much as nearly every other developed nation uh, on our healthcare. So, you know, it's it's really kind of interesting that whole debate, and uh, to me, you know, knowing all the numbers and all that, and I'm you know a huge Bernie Sanders fan, mm-hmm. and all that have been for a long time, and follow like these very progressive uh, politicians. Uh, I did uh, voter outreach for Abdul El Sayed yep. recently, uh, making calls and talking to people uh, for him, and uh, and that was a big you know uh, Medicare for all, abolish ICE mm-hmm. uh, campaign. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those, you know, core socialist tenants that mm-hmm. uh, DSA members are very involved in. One of the really interesting things about DSA is that, like, it's kind of loose. Like, they vote uh, to endorse people uh, by local chapters and national also uh, does endorse uh, occasionally. 
but uh, it's they kind of leave it up to the local chapter to endorse generally, and mm-hmm. also uh, if they don't vote to endorse, uh, they can also sometimes vote to support, which is kind of a looser affiliation. Like you can, it's kind of like an endorsement, but it just means we have a significant amount of members that are going to help your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, as very progressive of them not to say like we don't need everybody to be with you. Right, but it's we'll not still. a monolith. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that I think there has been moments where like a chapter I don't recall the chapter, but a chapter saying like making a tweet that was like mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. you shouldn't have said that or, or whatever. But you know, that's that's the the beauty of making things less party systems, you know, like everybody has an independent thought. And I love that. Yeah. So yeah. So I find myself aligning a lot with that and I uh, tend to vote in that direction. Um, hopefully we start pushing that Overton window further to the left. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. we are g- just going to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to talk about Sorry to Bother You and Black Klansmen. And I think I have a lot more to say about Sorry to Bother You, Boots Riley's film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it touches on a lot. And I think I want to save that for the end when we start getting warmed up. Sure. Um, so let's talk about Black Klansman, if that is okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Cool. Well, actually, let's first start. Uh, you like movies? Right? Yeah, I love movies. Awesome. Cool. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? You know, when I was really younger, like from in high school, uh, I was one of those guys who was a really big Tarantino fan, which okay. is like the most stereotypical like teenage boy teenage boy yeah mm-hmm. especially like consider like white teenage boy yeah. thing to say edgy. um ed- exactly angsty edgy <laughs> now i think uh i'm really uh kind of more into documentaries uh sorts of films i do really like uh, so i watch a lot of those mm-hmm. uh as far as movies that are not uh documentaries uh I did recently really enjoy I, Tanya. I saw that. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Uh, I think for my favorite recently, uh, I haven't really thought about this in a long time. I should have been ready for this question. Oh, I should have warned you. It's okay. No, it's okay. Uh, let's see. Um, I think my favorite as uh, like in recent years... Um, I'm gonna drawing th- a blank right I'm now. I'm going to throw out some feelers. So I loved Blade Runner 2049 okay. last year. That was like hands down my favorite of the year, favorite of like the past five years. Okay. I think uh, it might be like a masterpiece. I think it didn't make any fucking money. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody went and saw it, but it was people love, like critics loved it. It's long, two two hours, forty five minutes long. Yeah. Um, but I think as time goes on, that movie is going to be considered like a masterpiece, and it's perfect. I love Denis Villeneuve, Arrival, all those movies and stuff. Um, but yeah. So, so what's your favorite documentary? Document favorite documentary. I really enjoyed uh, the Planet Earth two that came out okay. recently. That was a really good one. That is. So good. I'm thinking now. Now that I'm thinking about it, the the that I've recently seen in like the last two, three, maybe five years, I would think uh, I've sort of got a little into horror movies. Okay. And I really, really enjoyed The Witch. Yeah, that's a good one. Colin, um, a co-host on here, he can't join us today, but he he. Uh, 
loves The Witch. It was like one of his favorite of, of the year when it came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that one a lot. So I would say in the last couple of years that I've seen, that would probably be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which yeah. is like, I never really liked a lot of horror movies before, but that's kind of like, <clears throat> it's a very kind of different, like very period. Very spooky. Yeah. But I like... I like that it's set in that time because there's just nothing you can fucking do about it. It's like, yes, witches exist in this world and there's nothing you can do. Um, uh, That's also a directorial debut. The director wrote and directed it and it's his first ever film. And Mm -hmm. it did, it like was a critical darling at uh, Sundance and stuff. So that was big. Um, you always see like a horror movie at Sundance do really well. And then within a month or two, they release it like wide, like it gets bought immediately. Cause as we discussed in the last episode for Halloween that released, um, on Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, with Mike and Andy, uh, horror movies cost nothing to make. Yeah. And they're like pennies and they make like 20 times as, much as uh-huh. what their, their budget is. So it's an easy buy. Um, yeah, that's and I think that's kind of a trend that's been <coughs> accelerating recently. Uh, even although uh, a few years ago it's, it really kind of changed, I think mm-hmm. maybe five ten years ago. But uh, yeah, a lot of things are released like a month or two months after they're in the theater now. And mm-hmm. it, you know, when I think when Digital. we were kids, you know, when we were really young, it wasn't that way. You would have to wait up to like a year. four four months or five months. Yeah, or, at, or more. At, yeah, for, you know. At, at least um yeah it's different so different now i could never have guessed back then that you could just watch a movie on your laptop and then pull up another one and watch it again yeah um i for for uh documentaries i think my favorite documentary of all time is man on wire okay yeah Yeah. i've seen that yep yeah but as for political documentaries um i was i saw 13th when it came out on Netflix, Ava mm-hmm. DuVernay's movie about the uh, 13th Amendment and mm-hmm. uh, prison industrial complex. I, that documentary is life-changing. Mm. I think um, I think when people watch that, it completely changes your view <laughs> on a lot of stuff. I'll uh, check that out. I've you haven't, haven't seen, seen it? No, okay. I haven't seen it. No. Okay, yeah, see that. Um, there's also I Am Not Your Negro, which came out, I think, the same year. So you had two like movies about... Um, uh, black experience and black struggle in America. I'm not your Negro is like from the writings of James Baldwin. Okay. And it's narrated by Samuel Jackson. Okay. And it's okay. just like footage of him, uh, James Baldwin and his writings along with like other footage of related uh, civil rights stuff. And um, very, very good. Both of them are great. I think, I think I'm Not Your Negro won the Oscar, but I can't remember. But 13th is amazing. Watch it. It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and check out both of those. Right. Sounds really good. Really up my alley. Yeah. It's dark. <laughs> As I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I obviously uh, like dark. Yeah. Um, so Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee directed. It's um, his... <laughs> His first movie since he remade Old Boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very strange choice. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that. Um, it was written... Whoops. Black Klansman was written by Charlie... Uh, Wach, well, I'm going to butcher this. Charlie Wachtel, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And it is about, or loosely based, on the true story 
of Ron Stallworth, a um, a Colorado Springs Police Department officer, first black officer in the department, who decides to infiltrate the local KKK chapter and um, fake a white accent or a white dialect yeah. to talk to leadership and to talk to David Duke, among all people, and then get information and um, have a white officer like poses him and infiltrate their their groups. I think in both Sorry to Bother You and Black Clansmen, yeah. like the whole uh, language, the language discussions mm-hmm. are some of the most interesting parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think. And the, the first... Uh, like there's a point where David Duke tries to describe what he thinks like a black accent is, which is like hilarious. <laughs> um, and there's a, a point where like they're sitting around in a locker room, uh, or something, uh, and they're discussing like how you like talk like a white person, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how you, uh, how you talk like jive or something, yeah. you know, and those sorts of things. And that, that I think is really, and he's, teaching adam driver's character Mm -hmm. like how to uh how to speak like different dialects and stuff uh ron stallworth is and that that was really you know those parts are really interesting too and in sorry to bother you of course there's the white voice concept and all that which we'll get into yeah so there's a theme there's a theme of um different capacities and different um takes on it but there's a theme of putting on a front to Mm -hmm. um to either advance or get your way or to um trick people Mm -hmm. even though it's a good tricking for this one um and adam driver's character is uh flip zimmerman his name he's he's a jewish uh character Mm -hmm. and there's a great moment where after a few times he's infiltrated him he he starts to say like you know i never i never used to think about being jewish Mm -hmm, until these people started talking about how much they hated me and now it's all i can think about right right and i thought that was a really interesting uh point in it um so what i guess let's just start what what are your first take first impressions of black klansman did you like it what did you like most did you not like it yeah i did like it i thought you know i'm one of those people who people who thinks that generally uh a lot of um very popular uh media that we consume uh, like especially because i think uh, of the way that we consume news especially um is very sensationalist and i thought black clansman was a little bit you know also very sensationalist and if you kind of know also uh the inconsistencies with the story mm-hmm. you know yeah. what actually uh Pro did yeah. and what Ron Stallworth purportedly did and the embellishments that Spike Lee and the rest of the writing team yeah. uh took which by the way also um interestingly the producers list includes Jordan Peele and Jason Bloom of right. Get Out you yeah. know which um yeah so it's so, it's interesting I, he does he uh, you know Spike Lee does conveniently leave out either conveniently or inconveniently. Either way, he leaves out some very interesting bits that I think could have helped this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to put anything against Jordan Peele and um, Bloom because producing is a lot just like 
giving money. Right, right, right. <laughs> making sure things work with yeah. your connections and stuff. But yeah, um, continuing. Oh, no, but I did I did enjoy the movie. I thought it's definitely worth seeing. I think the performances mm-hmm. from a lot of the cast were mm-hmm. phenomenal. They were yep. just like so, so good. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, it, it, you kind of have to, I think, in today's environment, be that sort of like a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a movie, it's a very ambitious movie. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's, it was probably writing it, I'm sure uh, there were probably a lot of times where, where they probably stepped back and, and said like, it's this like too much, you know, it's over like, cause there's a lot of N words. There's a lot mm-hmm. of very poignant and pointed like race hate moments, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and Adam, Adam Driver's character, uh, I'm a huge Adam Driver yeah. fan, by the way. I think uh, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, how good he was in Girls, like, and then, you know, a lot of stuff. He's my favorite part of the new Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very good in the new Star Wars. Um, yeah. And, but, and, uh, yeah, you're talking about the la- like language and some of the very pointed and, um, dark races like racism remarks and stuff um it'd be tough to be it'd be tough to be an actor in adam driver's position or any of the white supremacist and racist positions to talk like that mm-hmm. um but that's acting hey yeah um <laughs> but yeah there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of choices they make in this movie that i think resonate really well and then there are some that are kind of questionable i don't know if i want to get too much into it but i love toward the end when um when they're they're juxtaposing the clan rally clan get together uh they're watching a birth of a nation and mm-hmm. the other the group of um of black power black uh panther revolutionaries just activists students and activists they are I don't want to say revolutionaries because that that makes it sound like violent in a sense. Yeah, but, yeah. But it, they are um, revolutionaries, um, like liberation, liber, liber, yeah, liberation activists. Yeah, um, they're on on the right path. Uh, they're talking or they're getting like a lecture from a um, old civil rights. Uh, um, I think a civil rights activist from like way back in the day. And this is set in the 70s. Um, and he's telling the story of one of his friend who was uh, mentally handicapped, mm-hmm. slow, as he calls it, was lynched. And the gruesome details of the lynching and the photo, they show you the photographs. Yeah. And it just, the juxtaposition of them, him telling that story with the the students all reacting. And, you know, it's appalling and awful just because he, like, talked to a white woman or whistled at a white woman as it usually goes back then and the the juxtaposition of then all these white clan members cheering and screaming at the tv or at the projector screen while they're watching a birth of a nation right with the horse the clansmen riding on horses that they they come to save the day that's the movie um and it's there's there's something to be said in this movie about the role of media film and like perception and how big of a role it plays into driving culture and driving mm-hmm. uh, people into thinking certain ways. Um, 
there is a conversation that um, John David Washington, who plays Ron Stallworth, that's Denzel Washington's son, has with um, Patrice, right? Yeah, Laura, Patrice. Laura Harrier is, is her uh, name. Romantic interest. Yes, in and she's like the lead, um, the lead uh, of the student, activist, student yeah, activist uh, of that group, and she she is in um, Spider Man Homecoming. If you've seen that, she plays the the love interest in that. So. I have I've not seen it, but uh, yeah, I heard she's phenomenal. It's very it. good. Yeah. Um. So she plays the the uh the leader of the student um group, mm-hmm. and um they're talking. They're like on a date, kind of. They're like walking down the path, and they start. T- they're talking about their favorite uh like. Movies, yeah, in a sense, and their favorite black exploitation movies. Right. Which I love black exploitation movies; they're they're very fun. And mm-hmm. um, and sh- uh, she's talking a lot about, well, like, don't you see how some of these movies could um could portray the wrong message or whatever? And some of them, yeah, they they yeah, they do. I think specifically you're talking about uh, Superfly, Superfly, and yeah. Shaft, because they're very they're like big like ladies men and yeah, yeah and superfly specifically is a pimp yeah and so she's exactly. like how can i support a movie right with a pimp you know which i thought yeah that was that was a very good moment mm-hmm. i think in black's Klansman, and it's one of the few moments that um you know it's it's uh there's a feminist moment there yeah, you it's know, subtle says, too yeah because yeah. he's like oh come on they're just movies but then yeah he he gets to witness these uh clans members watching birth of a nation yep and that is like that movie is very i don't want to say important i I lose that use that term in the sense that it's very important in that it it like drove the new clan movement of the 20th century yeah huge it like drove uh drove membership signups and all these new chapters started popping up which is a big bummer Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. <laughs> so in so retrospect, yeah, a yeah. huge bummer, huge bummer, massive, a big bumming me out. Yep. Um, so there, there was, there's that thing in the movie, and there's also these these motifs and themes of um, presentation. Yeah, and you have like you have these these little bits that are that kind of show you like, oh, there's you know. David Duke talking about making America great again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which they did. They used that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a very, yeah. It's, I it's don't think a, he says exactly making America great, but he says something very similar. Mm-hmm. Yep. America first. Yeah. Yep. So the, there's, there's a lot and there's a lot of that. Um, and you know, this isn't like, you know, some people will be like, ah, that's blown out of proportion. That's made up, but no, you can read like old clan material and that's yeah. a lot of their material. So you know, choose who you who choose who you want to stick behind and think about it. Yeah, it's it's a very clear. You know that that's something that really struck me that I thought uh, was written really well. Mm-hmm. You know, in in this uh, movie as well was um, that some of the rhetoric from today. You know, was obviously kind of backported into this movie mm-hmm. to the world of what is in nineteen seventy eight, I think, um, and. It's either 1972 or 1978. I can't remember which one uh, was the actual happening, which one that was the fictional happening. 
Um, it just says 1970s. Yeah. I'm sure it said it in the in the on screen, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's not really. Um, but it was either 72 or 78, so either early 70s or late 70s. One of them is what was in the book that Ron <laughs> Stallworth wrote, which mm-hmm. this film was loose, very loosely based on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was what the movie uh, took. Uh, and yeah, that was it was very good of uh, taking the rhetoric of you know a Donald Trump, mm-hmm. I think, and uh, very prominent Republicans, as Steve King say, who's getting a lot of fire for being basically a white nationalist, mm-hmm. you know, uh, now, um, and the Senator from Iowa and, and putting it into the movie, uh, in very similar words, either from, uh, the KKK members mm-hmm. or from David Duke, mm-hmm. uh, or from, uh, you know, the racist cops, mm-hmm. uh, which there are a few of them, uh, which is the racism from the cops was very interesting as well in it this was. movie. There was that, there was a scene at the very end w- that I didn't like where they like arrest him. Or yeah. Whatever. That was it's really, very unbelievable. It was really dumb. Yeah. It was like, that wouldn't happen. Uh huh. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Come and on. It, it comes after uh, it, it comes right after also you, we see Ron Stallworth being beat up by yeah. police, you know, and right. then they set up this elaborate operation using Patrice, you know, who's an outside. Uh, yeah. And that's very, I, and then everyone's like high fiving, like, ah, we got that racist. Yeah. Got I'm like, did you really? It's the seventies, please. Right? Like that's not going to happen. No. Like if he hits his quotas, he's fine. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a shame, but that, that scene was really stupid. Um, yeah. It was just a really weird way to end like the fictional part of that movie. Um, uh, but yeah, very odd. I yeah, I agree with you. It's it was weird given the cadence of this movie mm-hmm. and how much build up uh, a lot of things had and how very meticulous like the world of these clans people were and the world of uh, the um, black student mm-hmm. uh, group uh, members, you know, in the world of Ron Stallworth, how mm-hmm. that was all put together. And how much time was spent on the character. To wrap it up like that was, uh, it just seemed really cheap and unbelievable. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. It, it it stunk like a, just like a cheap movie uh, movie moment. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't tear the movie down complete. Like, it, it it's a minor thing. In fact, honest to God, if you left that whole scene out, the movie would be better like it's not needed yeah you could leave that whole racist cop character yeah. too i think that was kind of put in to to show kind of the side story of systemic racism in the force right but that's as far as it goes with that yeah and that's odd because it is pretty well known um and it does the movie doesn't go in into this for reason for obvious reasons mm-hmm. but it's pretty well known that <clears throat> I mean, this is a Colorado Springs. Yeah. You know anything about Colorado Springs? It's it's where the Air Force uh, Academy is. Okay. So it's a major Air Force base, um, major like Air Force base hub. It's also a, just a very government like controlled area and very rural, um, conservative, Christian. Just a lot. Just very very conservative. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so in the seventies having having a clan group in Colorado Springs is not far-fetched mm-hmm. at all 
uh, hell, we have we have Klan groups in and around Metro Detroit. Yeah, and and neo Nazi groups in and around south, southern Michigan. So yeah, um, there's an area by uh, like Pinckney and Brighton, Jackson. Where, yeah, around that area, they're kind of known for mm-hmm. historically Think, having them. Yeah, Howell is Howell, exactly. Howell is where the Michigan chapter of the KKK was founded. Yeah, and everybody yeah, kind of knows, knows that. that. And everybody talks about that. <laughs> yeah, um, so so. They so there's the part that they that is left out of this movie is that Ron Stallworth, the um black cop, he not only did he in- infiltrate these uh K- this KKK group, but he also at the same time infiltrated these black student groups mm-hmm. and these black uh, liberation groups. And he, he, with the help of the police department instead of finding out information on the KKK and shutting them down, he and the, the police department pitted them together. They like stoked yeah. uh, resentment, which, you know, it's not hard to stoke resentment, but it, they stoked like fears and, and um, influenced them to take action against each other. Yeah. And that's something, and also this was done is, you know, the program was Cointel Pro Mm -hmm. and they also did that with uh, the uh, American communists. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did that with, you know, these considered fringe groups consistently. And yeah, you're, uh, that's like absolutely it. They, it wasn't, this is kind of a very different telling because they didn't directly actually break up like, like they, you know, they didn't directly infiltrate and, and and aim to kind of break up the KKK they they pitted the black liberation groups mm-hmm. against uh against the KKK and mm-hmm. you know uh found ways to kind of get them to have little skirmishes and mm-hmm. things like that that's like um that's like par for the course when it comes to american uh law enforcement <laughs> yeah it really is you know, the FBI has been doing that forever yeah um yeah so the so there's a scene where Ron Stallworth he's it's like very early. Um in fact it's like the catalyst or the the inciting incident of the whole movie where he decides or they they kind of they tell him to infiltrate a speech by uh Kwame Ture mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. who's played by Corey Hawkins who is in um Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. He plays um uh, Dr. Dre. And he's also in some other stuff. He's starting to come up as an actor. He's a very good actor. And he, there's, he, we listened to Kwame Ture's um, majority of his speech, like some areas. And there's these really odd shots of like these inspired uh, students like looking up. And it looks like uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it really does look it's like so Queen's weird. Bohemian Rhapsody. It was yeah. a very odd moment. I don't know why Spike Lee chose to shoot it that way. I think I really think that was supposed to be, you know, I, and yeah, it really struck me as odd when it was ha- when I was watching it too. Mm-hmm. I think he did that to be like these, you know, these are beautiful faces, mm-hmm. and, you know, these yeah. are human, 
uh, very human people. And he did that. I think it's very, it's fairly early in the movie. And I mm-hmm. think he did that to be like, look, these are beautiful people. Yeah. They're, they're this hopeful. Is, yeah. Right. They're very hopeful. Exactly. To mm-hmm. be like, these are inspired. They're students, you know, they're, they're uh, getting knowledgeable on certain things. Mm-hmm. They're at a college. And I think it was supposed to be a very humanizing moment, but uh, it was overdone in a bit, you know, <laughs> a just little bit because, yeah. Just because it was so, it looked almost exactly like Bohemian Rhapsody. You know? <laughs> yeah, it looks silly. Like I got what he was trying to do, but it went on a little too long. Yeah, um, I, you could have done that with different, different camera movements. It, and they were like, they would be. It was like clear that they obviously they isolated them and put a light on them, and they were just like floating heads. Like they yeah. would, they would just randomly like cross the screen and then fade out, and it just, it was so weird. But. Kwame Ture, uh, who is a civil rights activist and uh, notorious target of the FBI mm-hmm. and other, um, in fact, I can't remember. Was he like? Didn't they try to kill him? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll look it up. But, but there's a moment. They they kind of they they bring up two aspects of like two thoughts when it comes to civil rights and how to uh, fight the power mm-hmm. um to put it uh, stupidly as a white guy to fight the power um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Kwame Ture otherwise known as Stokely Carmichael um he he is talking about like you know we have to rise up and we have to fight and um things aren't going to get better if we don't you know unite he, as one it was very in uh Kwame Ture my understanding he says very direct uh direct things. action yeah very direct action things and my understanding was in most of his talks like he wasn't so direct he was a lot more uh like kind of polemic stuff uh yeah kind of very diplomatic very uh much more uh sort of an intellectual route of what was happening than the very direct Mm -hmm. uh way that he's portrayed in this movie is my understanding Mm -hmm. um which is very interesting and it it, it fits you know kind of with the movie because the movie this movie is very stark yeah it's very uh kind of made for in your face like hit you with a sledgehammer Mm -hmm. uh at certain points you know with with the point of of what this the scene or what the the overall uh, circumstances, what it's trying, you know, it, all the way to the end with, you know, you're watching Heather yeah. Hare get run over. Yeah. You know, it's it's like very hit you in the face. Yeah. With the point a lot of times. Yeah, there's, I, that's what I really appreciate about this movie. And we'll get into, we'll get into Sorry to Bother You and my problems with that movie shortly. I like, I, I felt like Black Klansman had a vision or it had something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, even though I can criticize it all day about how it it glances over the fact that, you know, they just, like, it wasn't so much like we're infiltrating the KKK and trying to bring them down. It was like, we'll infiltrate the KKK so we know what they're doing, but we'll also stoke the fires of, you know, this, um, this fight between the students and whatnot. Right, and we're going to root out the racists right. and the police as well. Right, and that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, it still doesn't happen, barely. Right, but, uh, but It was a good story, though. It yeah, was... it was a great story. And I, yeah, I I really thought it was well acted. Um, 
Topher Grace is, plays an amazing David Duke. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just like very believable. You look at pictures of David Duke in the 70s and you look at Topher Grace in his role, mm-hmm. they look exactly like. And, it, you know, Topher Grace and David Duke, they're not big guys. They're like mm. kind of nerd, like skinny, gangly looking dudes. Yeah, very But like looking. there's a moment when, and it's this is actually a true part of the story, when um, uh, Ron Stallworth is the security detail for when David Duke comes to town. He's like, uh, Mr. Duke, can I get a picture? And he, he gets like a picture with the two like KKK members and right, he has, I don't know who actually took the, if Adam Driver's character took the, actually took the picture in real life, but he is like one, two, three. And then right as he's about to take the picture, he puts his arms around it. Like the, uh, Ron Stallworth puts his arms around David Duke and the other guy. Mm-hmm. And they, so they get a picture of him with his arms around these two yeah. like KKK members. And, and that's a, a real picture. Like you can look that up. And David Duke, he gets really scary, like in that moment. Yeah. Like, why don't you come down to Louisiana and like show you how it right. how it goes? It's like that's I think that's one of the moments that I was really impressed with John David Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, and like how he portrays that because it's yeah, and and, and Topher Grace as well, of course. But uh, <coughs> everyone has seen a lot of Topher Grace by now. Yeah. Um, hey, I love that '70s show. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite sitcoms. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but the way that uh, he reacts, you know, he has to be because he's in a room full of white supremacists, and he's, you know, keep the, your guard up. The the detail of of David Duke. Uh, and yeah, and the way that he kind of reacts and that like try kind of kind of tries to mm-hmm. kind of laugh it off a little bit, but also stand very firm, right. you know. And that I think that was a moment that John David Washington was was phenomenal, mm-hmm. like very believable, uh, in in really uh, carried the scene really well mm-hmm. with Topher Grace and his face and the other guys, you know, and all that stuff, um, and everybody else around is is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've, I really liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, it was very funny and again, it was inspiring. Uh, in up, even up until the very end where, you know, we we're, as we mentioned, we're given these, these hints of like America first, make America great again. Um, oh, you know, we don't, you know, we, we start, start wearing a suit we don't you know we start looking presentable we we make white supremacists uh, white supremacy and other white power movements uh look like businessmen mm-hmm. and it's what they've done in the past mm-hmm. 50 years uh you know they infiltrate our police forces they infiltrate our military they infiltrate our government um this is real <laughs> like we know this um it's shitty. It's really shitty. And oh, yeah. we do our best to try and vote the right people in, but sometimes it doesn't work. So you have, the, uh, to go back to that Kwame Ture scene, when Ron Stallworth asks him, he's like, he's like, is it really, do we really, you know, you talk about violent action. Are there any other ways like that we can do it? Aren't there other ways to fight this? Because um, Ron Stallworth's character is, or Ron Stallworth is also inspired by Kwame Ture's speech. Mm-hmm. And he's like, isn't there anything we can do other than that? And Kwame Ture is just kind of like, now just get yourself a gun and be ready. Right. So, you know, that's obviously, then comes the debate, which we've been having a lot lately, um, ever since Charlottesville, which the movie ends 
um, fades out and it fades up to the riots and and clashes in Charlottesville mm-hmm. last year, like 2017 of August, right? I believe so, yeah. Late August, Which, something like that. To pro- provide background, Unite the Right group and a bunch of um, far-right, racist, white supremacist groups got together and um, stormed the streets with torches and yelled things like Jews cannot will not replace us, yeah. blood and soil, which yeah. is a um, a another KKK and Nazi. That's a Nazi. Yeah, cheer, that's right. It's from a it's from a song, right? Like in a movie. I can't remember what movie. Well, it may have been know. Sound of Music or something, but uh, and it's been co-opted, of course, bastardized, <laughs> and uh, um, and it, it shows footage from these clashes and uh, these these right wing terrorists mm-hmm. uh, clashing with uh, left wing people who came quickly to meet them, and it's awful what happened, and a white supremacist psychopath got in his car and he drove it into a group of protesters left you know good people um who were just just marching down the street with signs and he he ran over and killed heather Hare, who is a hero yeah um rest in power heather Hare. yeah and she died and it was big it was on the news a lot of people were talking about it um, it like kind of woke people up mm-hmm. be like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know these people were in the United States. Some people, you know, obviously knew they were, but I didn't think that they would have the balls to show their faces. Yeah. Um, and now that they've shown their faces, we can see them. Um, it, it woke a lot of people up in the wrong way too. Um, yeah. there's a lot of people, uh, that I see like you see if you go in online in a lot of certain places or if you go out in certain places uh you, you meet and you meet people who you know m- might be ignorant about the real issues of race in mm-hmm. America or are purposefully ignorant or just kind of hell bent on being that way uh there's a lot of people who do think that quote unquote antifa or the real nazis you know, this sort of thing. And it's it's very driven by, I think, you know, yeah, the president's response in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like... Bad. Th- good and bad people on both sides. Right, right. Good people on both sides. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you yeah. know? Like, uh, there's only one side who actually murdered someone on <laughs> yeah. that day. It's a very silly thing. But, but these sorts of talking points become gospel, you know? And mm-hmm. they become that talking point in particular is going to be part of history forever now mm-hmm. um and it's co-opted by these alt-white pe- uh, alt-right people mm-hmm. it's so hard not to say alt-white yeah. sometimes but um you know and, and they use it as fuel for the rhetoric mm-hmm. and say hey you know no antifa are the real nazis they dress up you know and cover their faces and the reason people don't understand the reason uh that that people cover their face like that and stuff is because there are people like there are white supremacist groups online who will post forums and, mm-hmm. and they'll find you. Yeah. They will literally find you, mm-hmm. you know, and they're uh, like proud boys, etc. They, 
you know, they're in New York uh, after the Republican a few they, weeks ago. Right? Uh, Gavin McInnes spoke at the Republican uh, Club uh, and in his, in New York. Yeah, and his boys went out and, and beat, found some left wing like supporters and beat them. Yeah, just found them just on the street. The protest, the <laughs> protesting outside in New York. Which, if you know, if you're in New York any hour of the day, mm-hmm. you can find any particular thing you want, basically. And mm-hmm. they walked the streets and found. Uh, some left-wing activists were, which were protesting something or the mm-hmm. other. And they ganged up on them. And, and they beat them, yeah. yeah. And now, you know, there's a few of them that are, uh, I think one is is imprisoned in, in jail for that and is, yeah. is awaiting trial. Uh, a few of them, uh, two or three of them are, are, are on the run. Yeah. Um, and, and that... I don't want to ma- turn this into just like a bitching about Fox News sort of thing <laughs> and the right wing media, but but they take it's so you have to be careful. You know, I got flack for this last year mm-hmm. when Charlottesville happened because I was of the the persuasion that the right is going to use this footage of these fights Mm -hmm. and they're going to do what they did. They're going to make Antifa out to be the bad guys. And and it worked. Um, Unfortunately, to people who don't actually pay attention, because you don't read Antifa, they don't read Antifa and think anti-fascist. They think Antifa. And they, they, you know, they think, oh, it's it's a, it's a brand. They're, they wear black and red. They're uh, dark. They, they're violent. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones who start everything and it's propaganda. Like yeah. they push this propaganda and it works. Yeah. And that's, what's so frustrating about it because you can talk to all the fucking reason, reasonable people in the world and you think they're, they are on your side, but they're not, I don't want to say that. And they think that they're thinking the right thing and you talk to them and then they have this like, Oh, well it's Antifa. They're, you know, they're, uh, terrorists mm-hmm. and it's like it, it that propaganda and that spin works and that's why antifa has to be so careful on the streets they have to be so careful with how they they react and how they react to these these right-wing groups the unfortunate thing is though they can't because antifa mm-hmm. isn't actually a central it's exactly. not actually a exactly. group it's just uh, a bunch of people who uh, do not have any sort of central coordination. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not a leader at least. <laughs> there is, yeah. yeah, there isn't. Because yeah, it's like an anarchist type of group. Yeah. And, and when I say anarchist, again, that's another term where people don't understand that term. They just right. think, no government. But it's a lot more complicated than that. It's a lot more... Um, it's just better than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, it's a more nuanced than that. Definitely. Um, definitely. Like anarchists... Uh, generally are against very centralized power mm-hmm. and, hierarchy. So, and hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, they do not generally associate in nationwide groups. Mm-hmm. They're against the entire idea. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole notion of Antifa being Nazis were Nazis were, were nationalists. All about hierarchy. Of, all about hierarchy, completely. There was yeah. a, a central figurehead that was the dictator yeah. of the Nazis. Exactly. You know, and, and that is not in in an uh, anarchist uh, sort of dogma. It's not no, possible. Yeah. You don't believe in that. Right. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't have that. You yeah. couldn't be an anarchist Nazi. Yeah, an anarchist leader. Like, that just doesn't exist. Right. You know, it's a collective. 
Um, so yeah, that the footage at the end of this movie is all that stuff and it like people screaming and yelling photographs blood and i started to cry mm-hmm. i cried at the end of it because yeah, because they they show heather Heyer's face and her photo it says rest in peace and it was extremely effective mm-hmm. it's a very effective movie and i recommend it to everyone yeah i i would too i think yeah. it's a really great um for you know if you have a person who you think isn't maybe an outright racist because honestly an outright racist will probably walk out or just make fun of, of it course. and be not you know affected but you know if you have somebody who you think might have proclivities towards that sort of thing it's a good movie to be like hey watch this movie with me mm-hmm. you know I'll explain to you why i think you're a jackass or you know that yeah. sort of thing. why i think you're mistaken right or right. misguided yes yes, yes. And yeah you know it's, uh, you know, I, I, not to, you know, we're going, we're, this is going to be a long episode. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're already at like 50 minutes. So, um, we haven't even gotten to sorry to bother you, which we'll talk a lot about. Mm. Um, I grew up as a conservative. Okay. Like, like pretty, you know, I grew up in Shelby township. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a very red area. Oh yeah. Um, upper middle class, middle class, red area. And I grew up uh, conservative and didn't, it's the only reason I grew up conservative is because I was basically told that that was like the best way, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I don't want to put anything against my parents or anything, but because they went through their own, their own trials and tribulations to turn them into the uh, political the political ideology that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, wh- you know, there's no racism, none of that. It's just, it just became, I became like a reactionary conservative. Very. Which is basically what conservatives are nowadays. <laughs> nowadays, very extreme. <laughs> yeah. In the type that you're tending right. to see as talking heads a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. Just like, oh my God, the left are crazy. And right. And they don't know what they're doing. They're and, and the I, real Nazis. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're, yeah. They're trying to, destroy our free speech right it's like oh, i don't know the right seems to be doing a pretty good job of that yeah there are people uh who are chasing down or facing mitch mcconnell in a restaurant oh these monsters and this is the same as people receiving bombs like george <laughs> soros receiving bombs it's the same thing exactly um so yeah i was conservative so i have a different perspective when it comes to this I, I, throughout college and after college um i became way more left-leaning like i just you know it's amazing when you get out and you go to different you live in different cities and you, mm-hmm. you start meeting different people how quickly your perspective changes on um injustice in this world yeah um so that's where i'm coming from yeah so i i come from a different i can see both sides in the sense that i understand i i understand and i don't understand why conservatives can be very reactionary um, and it just comes from a, 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 a fear in a sense. And it's not like a fear of like, oh, God, black people. It's just like a fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, not understanding someone's plight or not putting yourself in someone's shoes. Sure. I, not understanding the socioeconomic um, factors that result in poverty and how possible it is to get out of poverty if you are... Uh, person of color oh yeah it's i mean it happens but 
majority of the time it does not you mm-hmm. stay in that world forever unfortunately and that's why we vote the way we do um so yeah so let's you you enjoyed it you you recommend it we recommend black Klansman. it's very Definitely. good i think it's already out on blu-ray and dvd you could probably find it on streaming platforms somewhere i bet i, I would, would hope assume. so yeah i would assume um yeah i recommend it a lot uh one of spike lee's better films yeah and there's a lot of okay to bad ones what um, did you think of white men can't jump <laughs> <laughs> okay did he direct that i think so right i think that was one of his first wasn't i like do the right thing do the right thing is good yeah it's been a long i can't even remember it's been a long time since i've seen that one no he didn't he didn't do it no who was white man can't jump ron shelton ron shelton i don't know nobody knows who he is a former minor league baseball infield wow wow interesting oh wow that's really weird his his wikipedia is mostly his sports career as a baseball player but he he directed White Men Can't he Jump. He did White Men Can't Jump, and uh, he worked with. Oh, he did Tin Cup as well. Oh wow! Okay, another <laughs> he's Woody a sports, Harrelson he's a guy. Yeah, yeah, very into the Woody Harrelson. Or no, uh, Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin Costner, right, right, not Woody but, Harrelson. But but Woody Harrelson, hmm, interesting. Um, anyway, anywho, Ron Shelton, little Ron Shelton information. Yep. Oh, he also did Bull Durham. He's just a sports guy. Ooh. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm curious, movies. you have there uh, Boots Riley's. Yes. D- he is the director and writer of Sorry to Bother You, which yep. came out um, in August, around, or July, August, uh, and was pretty well received by critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different. It's his directorial debut. Debut. And. Derbu. <coughs> derbu. Director Derbu. Mm-hmm, and yes. And. He wrote and directed it, and he is a hip hop uh, artist. Yeah, of the coup. Of the the coup. The coup. I, the coup. I am unfamiliar. C O U P. Got it. Uh, they're kind of known for uh, a song called "The Guillotine." Was kind of a, a banger. Uh, okay. A couple years ago, got some airplay. Uh, but Boots Riley, like the and the coup, uh, it's. He has a lot of stuff that's like very slick Rick, like storytelling mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth a listen. You know, if you got a if you got a day that you just want to play something, uh, here's some like sort of storytelling rap. Okay, I might put one of the Kateen song uh, at the end of this episode. I w- it's good. It's a banger. Cool. Um, okay, so he had there. These movies came out about the same time, mm-hmm. and. Um, Sorry to Bother You was around the festival circuit. It was pretty popular. Uh, so he, and got a lot of praise and like word of mouth. He had something to say about Spike Lee and Black Klansmen. And it had, some, it had something to do with what we talked about with the, um, the, the police department and their role in, um, in like stoking bad bad vibes yeah um do you have the quote in front yeah of you? i do um right. he said uh he said he was disappointed that in the dishonesty of marketing it as the true story uh it was based on a true story but there were a lot of kind of embellishments mm-hmm. uh, as we kind of discussed earlier mm-hmm. um and how they made a cop the protagonist in a fight 
against oppression when black Americans face structural racism from police on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and he said the film glossed over Stallworth's role in helping Cointelpro, uh, quote unquote, sabotage a black radical organization. Um, it, it feels like an extension of the, this was kind of uh, very poignant, I thought, and they kind of some hot fire that he spit. Uh, it feels like an extension of the $200,000 ad campaign Spike did for police groups aimed at improving relationships with minority communities. Uh, Interesting. There, I agree with some of that, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's kind of a lot. Yeah, like there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with Spike Lee trying to, like reach out with uh reach out to minority groups and and urban areas with law enforcement Mm -hmm. you know you can't throw the baby out with the (laughs) bathwater you know there's there you have to kind of work from the inside to help get things better and that was one of ron stallworth's things in the in the the movie again we talked about black landsman glancing over that Mm -hmm. um which is a fault of that movie um I do find I do find Boots Riley's opinion on that as I said a little interesting and a little confusing given this film's focus. Mm-hmm. Giving sorry to bother you's uh, yeah, focus. Yeah, sorry to bother you's focus. And sorry to bother you and now when I say focus I use that term lightly because to me sorry to bother you is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it knows what it wants to be about. It touches on so many things and doesn't seem to have an overall thesis or overall message in it. It's a lot of commentary. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, okay, so I'm going to list off all the things that I think it, it addresses in this movie. Sure. It touches on labor and class politics. You definitely. Right, definitely. That's kind of its main thing. Yeah, I would say main um, theme. Unions in a, in a gig economy. Yep. Racism, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prison industrial complex. Yep. In a sense. Uh, and like prison labor. Uh, late stage capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, slavery. Yes. Eugenics. Yes. Uh, tech bro celebrity culture. Yes. Um, like putting on a face yes. and like being someone you're not. Also hip hop culture. Yeah, hip hop culture. Uh, put it, yeah, putting on a face in hip hop culture and putting on a face to appease um, whites. Right. Um, and how media and culture corrupts activists. Mm-hmm. There was also some uh, imperialism comments. Imperialism. Kind of peppered through as well. In a, yeah. Um, with, we'll get to it. With yep. uh, the the um, Detroit's art exhibit, et cetera. Yes. Um, so, well, let's go over the cast. Uh, cash is green. Mm-hmm. It's cash is green. Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield. He is a, um, young man who, a young black man. I didn't feel like I didn't have to say it, but he is trying to get a job at a telemarketing company and mm-hmm. he ends up getting the job and he has, he struggles cause it's telemarketing. It's the worst. Uh, it doesn't pay anything. And then somebody tells him, uh, uh, Danny Glover's character, yes, tells him, 
hey, you got to put on your white voice if you want to get to these people. Daniel Danny Glover as Langston. Langston. Yeah, I didn't, forgot to write him down. Um, his And Danny Glover's white voice is the voice of Steve Buscemi. Yes, and so Cassius Green then develops his white voice, and it's David Cross. David Cross. Yes. Yes. It's, it, I, it is one of the things I liked about this movie was the, the white voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it works. He begins to make a lot of money, um, making sales, gets commission. He, he works his way up in this company, and they're like in this basement it's really shitty yeah you know? so he's making money he's doing well and i thought that was uh something <coughs> that they that the that scene of well the the set of the telemarketing place of regal view i thought oh, was yeah. something that was very good uh, i worked in college at a telemarketing place and it's you know it's they're all basically the same bunch of phones bunch of cubes mm-hmm. and it's usually always just very dingy and you've got some sort of no board on the wall <laughs> yeah and you sit there for hours and hours and you just hope people pick up the phone mm-hmm. and you just stare at you know your computer screen with almost nothing on it mm-hmm. forever just your script yeah, and just hear a dial tone usually. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That sounds horrible. It, it is. It, count, it drove me crazy. Count my uh, blessings. I never had to work there. Yeah. Or to work in that. Um, so then, okay, so he's got a girlfriend named Detroit. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about her, played by Tessa Thompson, who is in Thor Ragnarok, and she's in Westworld, and she's in a bunch of other stuff. She's very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, then there's, oh, we won't get to him yet because we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then there's Squeeze, played by Stephen Young. Squeeze, uh, my favorite character of the whole movie. I he think. was good. Yeah, he Stephen Young plays this character very well. Is a pretty basic character, but he's a labor organizer, mm-hmm. and it's revealed that he goes from like city to city, kind of, to try and energize people to to uh, collectivize. And yeah, he's an agitator. I think right. as they usually call yes. him. Yes, <laughs> right. Er. Um, <laughs> good agitation. He, yeah. So he manages to get all these guy, like all these employees, together to stop working mm-hmm. for uh, I think like half it's, hour or whatever. Yeah, something like a fifty minutes, half yeah, hour, something like that. Fifty minutes, half hour at a certain time, and they scream "fuck you, Regal View." Yeah, "fuck you, Regal View," and um, and that it it works pretty well. Well, like they're starting to have talks, but then they start talking to Cassius Green, like. Mm-hmm. If, Stanfield's character, the main character. And because he's been doing so well, they kind of tell him that like, oh, you know what? We're going to move you up. You're going to go up to the um, the top floor or the mm-hmm. club level, which there's this elevator and there's... Um, you know, it's like gold. Yeah. Just in, like very cartoony looking. And In that uh, scene, they have... Uh, just before that, they... Just before that, they in, uh, introduced uh, Diana DeBockery. Yeah. <laughs> Which De- is Kate De- Berlant. Debo, Debo Sherry, I think. Debo Sherry, is, is yeah. that? Yeah, and she's okay. like, it looks like debauchery. Yeah. <laughs> no, Debo Sherry. She's, she was my favorite. She was she's awesome. Yeah. Like, and that's, she's done that role. I think she was in like Broad City or something, playing that same character, sort of it the same character. Familiar, yeah. She's, uh, she's, I've definitely seen her do sort of a same mm-hmm. character thing where she's like this very amoral. Yeah. Uh, like corporate. Like business lady. Yeah, you know, just a so personality. business. Yeah. yeah. A type. Um, and she's very good at doing yeah, that. She's, she's very, very you know, very good at it. Um, so, so they basically tell him to abandon his, his coworkers mm-hmm. and he does it because yep. he's making a lot of money and it, that sucks. Uh, it's hot. I can, you know, you try to put yourself in his shoes and be like, I mean, if you're making a lot of money, 
you know, and you're corrupted by that feeling of yeah. making money, that ding, 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 you know, the green light of making money and making a sale. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why people abandon, you know, their friends. I I wouldn't. And all of a sudden, he's like in a completely different social circle. Right, completely different. Um, And he has a conflict with Sal, who got him the job basically mm-hmm. originally, um, and his and with... Uh, with squeeze and mm-hmm. with his girlfriend and like with all uh, with yeah. detroit so there's immediate rift like they they just don't they can't they don't get it so so he then moves up and because of his white voice basically mm-hmm. and he meets mr blank which yep. every time they say his name there's a noise or it beeps it out yeah like completely you never hear his name and i yeah. and i'm curious the the artistic reasons behind that it's played by Omari Hardwick, and his white voice is Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt, yeah, yeah, um, in so many things. Nowadays. Yeah, so this this character, Mister Blank, has like a top hat or a bowler hat, mm-hmm. and um, an eye patch covering his left eye. And I read like maybe there's significance that like oh the left like his left leaning view is completely blinded because he's like so caught up in, the- and. I was like, that's a I don't know. That seems. It seems like a lot, but <laughs> the the rebellious group that's uh, against like the main uh, kind of super villain group mm-hmm. uh, is also named Left Eye, aren't they? Which I don't know if there's any sort of tie. I don't remember. Um, I think yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that that they're also they they go around defacing. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, wow. and they're called Left Eye as kind of a joke, I think, like in TLC. Yeah, it was like, like an underground, it was like, a, yeah, an underground movement of um, left-leaning uh, activists. Yeah. and they Wasn't go there like an facing. artist too? Uh, like, in TLC, yeah. Left, yeah. Uh, well, T-Boz yeah. Left Eye in Chile. Yeah. yeah. I knew that, but I, I thought like the Left Eye group was like a... In this movie was yeah. like run by like an, some sort of artist or something, but maybe I'm, I've got it confused. Well, um, I, I think um, at a certain point, um, I don't know if this is like a worthless spoiler or not, but like Detroit is in them. Like she mm-hmm. has the garb of right. Look, she almost gets arrested. Like yeah, she she starts tagging something and then has to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's a. It, it is slowly i guess we'll just get straight into it it is slowly revealed that this regal view you go up to the top you're working for this company called worry free Mm -hmm. and they are so entrenched in in uh affecting like they they sell like arms yeah they sell arms they sell arms they sell labor they they do all sorts of awful things yeah just very exploited it's very on the nose there's a lot there's a lot in this movie that's super on the nose, and um, and it's run by this this tech bro billionaire tech named bro. Steve Lift, and it's played yep. by Army Hammer, and I love Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. He's very good at in this he's like, in pompous jackass yeah. role. Incredible at that. Yeah. He played the Winklevoss Winklevoss twins Winklevoss mm-hmm. twins in uh, Social Network. Yeah, and he was in uh, Call Me by Your Name, and yeah, he's great. I love him. Um, so he slowly moves his way up and it kind of tears at, at Lake Stanfield's character, Cassius Green, but he still keeps going with it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I, I think my problem with the movie is it gets to the point where I just have a hard time believing like we, it's, 
I, I'm going to go back to the surface level thing again. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything is touched on all these points that we brought up, like labor and racism and prison industrial complex is so surface level mm-hmm. and on the nose that like our character has no time to digest what is happening to him. Yeah. And that's, I think that's maybe part of the reason why he looks so like uh, Cassius Green through a lot of this movie, he has this very like confused, dumbfounded look on his face. Yeah. Even in like a lot of the promotional uh, kind of material for mm-hmm. the movie, he kind of he looks very kind of like what where the hell am I? Yeah. You know, it's also his posture too. Mm-hmm. He like he like stands with his or he like hunches his rolls his shoulders forward and looks down. Yeah. And it, I I don't know if that's a comment on just that he's turning into just a like pardon the you know crassus but like a whipping boy yeah but i um, think so i think he, he's going through uh it seems like he's he, he there's a lot of times where he just shakes too like mm-hmm. he shakes he's like Ugh, yeah he shakes um and i think that was supposed to be kind of a commentary on like the weight that he's carrying because mm-hmm. like in in the beginning he's very you know he's he's very burdened with debt Mm-hmm. And his uh, uncle Sergio Terry Cruz mm-hmm. uh, is is telling he's him like his hey, landlord. Yeah. Who's his landlord? Yeah, he's, living in his garage. He's saying, you know, you need to pay me your rent. And Cassius kind of responds with, "What has become of you?" You know, sort of yeah. thing. You just like, sell out your friends and family. He's like, "I'm your uncle." I'm your uncle, <laughs> right? And that's yeah. like one of the yeah the first like really funny yeah. things happening in the movie. Yeah, and then so he makes all his money and he pays off. Or he like pays for um, his uncle's mortgage, and he, you know, he he ends up doing some good things with money, which are good. You know, yeah. he he ends up paying for his his family's stuff, and he moves to a better place, and he can afford different things. And that's where it shows like the like ah see, like money can is you know as shitty as it controls our lives, and but like you work hard and you can lift people out of stuff like that, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. And it turns out the cost is uh, helping a company turn black men into giant horse people. Yeah, <laughs> which comes, hits you like a real brick. Yeah, it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's that's kind of when the movie goes off the rails for mm-hmm. me. For me. Um, some people liked it. Uh, but the third act, when that starts, is a total fucking mess, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I have no idea... It started to feel like the movie started to feel like it was three hours long mm-hmm. and it's only an hour and 50 minutes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if you felt that way, but but it did feel very long at that point. It didn't, it didn't feel that way for me. I definitely felt like it was a lot. There was a lot more kind of shifts and kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, like... Uh yeah, the the whole party scene mm-hmm. is there's some f- good moments. In yeah, there. there's some good moments in there that uh seemed to drag a little bit. But once like the horse people thing is kind of in there, and you're kind of you know really that that's thrown in there. Um, he let's he he go he that's when he's finally like this is fucked up. You yeah, know, this is way too much. Obviously, and. Um, things start to 
thing but things are already fucked up for him he's yeah, you yeah. know he he has there's this like physical fight with detroit where mm-hmm. you think that it's he's like possibly going to throw out a window and that never happens he just yeah. seems very pathetic mm-hmm. uh you know and she says we're done mm-hmm. at least for a while uh and then she has like a little thing with with squeeze which Steve i thought was Yun. very yeah with steve Yoon, uh which i thought was very interesting because like those kind of mo- those moments really st- stood out to me um because uh because cash kind of has this like moment where he's he's turns into like this rage bro mm-hmm. right to his girlfriend and she's been telling him like for a long time like i can't put up with you kind of selling out mm-hmm. big time um and they have like this sort of little physical confrontation like where they kind of spin around and yeah, he's like, like in a rage yeah like a little tussle no hitting or anything but there's no hitting yeah thank thank god that would kind there of was a moment where i was like Ooh, is this gonna go there yeah yeah, yeah. you've kind of you kind of feel like it is yeah um and she leaves but um and then she has a uh little fling with uh steve yoon at, at after her uh art after her art thing that's kind of a little side story mm-hmm. she has the art thing cash shows up she's like get the hell out of here yeah um and then she sleeps with steve yoon and basically nothing happens like because you know they get they get to back together again um but i i was uh kind of targeted with my girlfriend about this afterwards like in in basically any other movie like there would be a backlash for that you know there yeah. would be like some sort of dehumanization of the female character mm-hmm. uh for doing that because she's the primary love yeah. interest you mean critical character. backlash or just like in the movie like the next like scenes that followed up and yes. concluded those storylines like she would die or she would no <laughs> longer be his girlfriend she would be painted as yeah. someone despicable or they just wouldn't get back together bingo like yeah. he would be like i'm holding a grudge for you yeah. and you, you know you, there would be some slut when, shaming right uh, right I, I guess let's get into her character because the, to add on to the fact that a lot of stuff doesn't, a lot of stuff is glanced over and gets just like commented on and not followed up on like yeah. a lot of these topics. Also, there are a lot of scenes where like real uh, human re- interaction stuff occurs and there's like no follow up to mm-hmm. it. There's like you said that there's. Steven Young's character, Squeeze, and Detroit, uh, Tessa Thompson's character, they f- they are talking. They're really hitting it off. It's like, oh, wow, maybe these two are actually <laughs> who should be together. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's like, th- this must be something. There must be something that's going to come of this. Yeah. And there's like nothing. Like, yeah. I don't get, we don't get a scene where Steve Young and, and uh, like a Stanfield's character like confront each other and get yeah. angry they at each other. He says later, I don't want to know. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then there's just like no there's no resolution to that. Yeah. And she just ends up back with him. Yeah. yeah, And that then brings up the criticism of this film of the Bechdel test. Yeah. And, you know, not all, you know, we were discussing earlier that like not all movies, the Bechdel test applies where like we're talking about flags of our fathers or Mm -hmm. a war movie that, uh, that's set in a, in the past where yeah. mostly men fight. There uh, are like actual historical limitations yeah, to why or right. reasons why there would not be women. Exactly. Yeah. So, but this movie really only has one. Well, you can talk about Caperland's character as well, but the main female character is 
nothing but a love interest. Mm-hmm. And she has a picture. She has opinions and views. But her whole purpose in this movie is just to be forgotten about by by Cassius Green, to um, to try and challenge Cassius Green about like his thoughts on uh, capital and all that stuff, to to be an artist, to be like a like ooh, you know that one of those types of artists, sure. like very weird, like she. Yeah has Very like tomatoes and stuff or what does she have thrown uh, at her? Sh- uh shells yeah uh from bullets and uh broken uh phones yeah uh and then there's some and, sort of liquid or something yeah it's like goat's blood i think oh yeah or something, something like, like that. that there's some sort of blood in uh right it's it's some sort of blood in water balloons right so i read something that like a lot of people compared her character to the manic pixie dream girl type character that's that's valid yeah so she doesn't talk to any other women in this movie yeah she doesn't talk to any other women period so, or about another uh, about something else other than a man yeah we should bring it back a little bit i think because there are a lot of people who aren't very familiar oh, right, with the back test. test so the the three things are are there multiple female characters in this movie there were at least two that are introduced that have speaking roles that have speaking yeah. roles yeah so there's at least detroit and uh diana Debo- cherry De- De- debo sherry debo sherry i think that's how they pronounce all it all right and um but I they do not they do not i can't yeah i can't remember that's i think that's you. it uh they do not ever talk to each other and uh, which is the second they never point. see each other and they yeah they don't see each They're other not even the same scenes together. and uh so the three points of a bechdel test are are there multiple female characters do they ever talk to each other is the second one and the third is do they talk to each other about something other than a man yeah um, and it fails completely. yeah it fails two to three yeah. yeah um yeah so he boots riley got a lot of flack for that oh mm-hmm. i mean when i say a lot it, it was like one of the main criticisms because She's good in this movie, and I like her character, but she get she has nothing to work with. I would have loved yeah. more. I would have loved to see a movie about her. I, totally I agree. Honest. I think she's. I. Uh, I do have to give it to him. She is obviously very feminist, mm-hmm. you know, and she's very outwardly feminist. And I thought it was kind of a plus uh, to myself that there wasn't really a resolution with like her and uh, squeeze kind of getting mm-hmm. together because I think that kind of also gives a little bit more to Cash's character because he's kind of through the, the entire film portrayed a little bit pathetic. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, yes, he's like this sort of quote unquote, like Superman at the job, you mm-hmm. know, he does this, this thing and makes a bunch of money and he's the main character, but he's also kind of a, a very pathetic yeah, hero. He's a pushover. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's obviously, you know, uh, wearing the weight of the world and he's, mm-hmm. he's very disturbed by a lot of these things. But yeah, I agree with you. I would have liked to see, you know, like kind of a real character arc for Detroit herself. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, she's, a, I think she's a strong feminist character, but she's not like, by any means like she's not an important character yeah. you know she's not important in this story for the mm-hmm. most part she's like i said she's just the love interest so boots had a quote when he was criticized about this he says i will put detroit up against most of the movies that do pass the bechdel test and will confidently say that most of them will not have a character a character close to as radical or feminist as she is which i can agree with mm-hmm. but still 
at the same time, she doesn't serve much of a purpose. In the give movie. her, yeah, give her, give some her more, sort of, give her something. Yeah, um, give her an integral role other than yeah. just running around def- defacing, uh, worry-free stuff. And, yeah, and, and having a very interesting avant-garde uh, art studio yeah, and right. show. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, but also Black Klansman also does not pass the Bechtel test. No, it does not. Um, it makes two of the three measures because there are there are at least two. Uh, female ca- uh, characters, Odetta and Patrice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do talk to each other. However, they're talking entirely about Ron. That's true. Yeah, I was trying to think of that. I, I was trying to think... Because um, I knew that uh, she was talking to another one of her student friends. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't remember if they were talking about him or not. Yeah. But yeah. But still, those characters still, I feel like, have more going on. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I have to rewatch them. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's hard. It's kind of hard to compare because the style of Sorry to Bother You is very different from the style of Black Klansman. And it's very like, Sorry to Bother You is a lot more, I would say, like sort of video game levelly, And it's like, it's, it's also a lot more comic booky yeah. than, than non-traditional style of filmmaking. Yeah. And it much. shows, it definitely, it definitely shows his um, Boots Riley's like artistic side. I, I appreciate that he really went for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, some of this stuff doesn't work for me. There's a lot of weird artistic and comedy choices that don't make sense to me. Um, he puts a lot of focus on her earrings. Yeah, Detroit's earrings for some reason. Yeah, but and I don't shirts. Yeah, as well. yeah, but I, there wasn't. I don't know. There wasn't much behind it. I thought. Um, mm-hmm. I liked them, but uh, yeah, it seemed like usually when you have a, a soul shot of the earrings and you do that again a few times in the movie there's a re- there should be a reason behind it but it just seemed like oh she's she's cool you know she's got yeah. cool style and crazy you know she's a free thinker that kind of gives credence to the manic pixie dream mm-hmm. girl sort of thing that's kind of typical also with shots of introducing or perpetuating the character of like the female love interest who's mm-hmm. the manic pixie right she's like generally in some way quirky or stylish mm-hmm. in a way that the hero identifies mm-hmm. with. And they, they visually like very uh, well in a lot of movies like that just drill into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the Bechtel test is not passed and I like her a lot. I like the character, but I just would have loved to see more of her. Yeah. If, if I think that's kind of comparable to like uh, what happens in like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? With the with the female character in that, mm-hmm. where she's like very quirky, and they have like all these scenes where uh, she's sort of stylish, uh, opposite yeah. Jim Carrey, but it doesn't really feed a lot. It's just like this mm-hmm. is the style, right? Kind of thing. S- speaking of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, great movie, also on yes, one of my favorites, Michel Gondry, um, French director. Uh, in this movie, there is a little animation um, to describe this whole human horse project. Yeah, and it is I I recognized it's like what it was. It was kind of like emulating and making fun of Michel Gondry. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen um, oh, what's the one he did? Oh crap! I'm I'm drawing a complete blank. But he 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 utilizes animation a lot. Mm-hmm, like yeah. He uses like stop motion animation. And yes. There's this one that he, he did. Um, and I'm just going to look it up because it's going to drive me crazy. Sure. 
Um, He's done a lot of music videos. The Science of Sleep. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty. It's okay. <laughs> I just put it out there. But he uh, he also be kind rewind and uh, yeah, uh, the Green Hornet, which nobody saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he utilizes the weird, quirky animation a lot. And there's this video that they like. They I I like what he was trying to do. Like he was making fun of like how a corporation will use like ukulele sounding like yeah ding, 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 yeah and yeah. like cute animation to to sell their service or product uh no matter how stupid their product is or how useless it is yeah and this like you have this video explaining like oh you know we'll take volunteers and and turn them into snort this thing and or snort this powder and you'll turn into this very strong tall giant cocked horse man and they're like you know so we can do better things and right. build things that, that these these people uh, these horse people uh, work at three times the pace yeah. of normal people right. and it's like and it's yeah over yeah. this very cutesy, uh, cutesy animation yeah. and like ukulele oops, you know like just very funny I like that um, that also again pulls throws into the like oh it's another idea that's just glanced over yeah yeah <laughs> um that is like the whole prison labor sort of like ideal it just you know how can we exploit someone for cheaper free labor it's mm-hmm. like the story of america yeah um, <laughs> so much so yeah so let's also get into that the the story of labor and you know you're probably way more versed in it than I am as a registered member of the DSA but maybe I you know I I I work for a startup <laughs> <laughs> so you want to give them a shout out <laughs> no man? I work uh, for a startup too I'm a yeah. uh, programmer yeah so. so I can see what's going on um yeah. in a sense uh so th- this movie comments on like the gig economy yeah. and there's like all sorts of jobs that are brought up in this it's like you know so so I, let's run through real ones in mm-hmm. in today's world like um, uber drivers uber drivers lift drivers lift drivers uh, shipped ships um, right uh, you know people that work for cleaning companies yeah. a lot of times yep. a gig economy there's stuff. the uber um, eats there's the the uh growl is it called growler app where you you walk dogs yeah okay i think it's called growler i might be wrong got it um there's just fucking name them there are so many yeah uh apps that you know you can devote five hours of your week yeah to or work and get paid or 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 you know, rent out your house yeah airbnb you know, there's airbnb, just so much and the like there's so much stuff in the in the guise of uh entrepreneurship yeah you know that yes. like you're actually being exploited yes and you're not getting paid yes anything you're you under no rights. yeah you're under a very restrictive mm-hmm. contract your uh what you can do and cannot do is very very clearly mm-hmm. uh spelled out uh in the case of you know in the case of uber uh you they're skirting uh previous licensing laws mm-hmm. like for uh taxi cabs chauffeur licenses, chauffeur licenses right uh also you just don't have any ability to negotiate for better wages no. at all yeah uh there really isn't any upward momentum you're stuck exactly where you are yeah. which is you know for an exploitative capitalist situation that's the dream mm-hmm. you know if you're the t- pr- sort of tech bro that loves uh 
predictable expenses yep. and 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 predictable profits mm-hmm. as well based on whatever sort of numbers. Like this is uh, absolute yeah. paradise. And a hungry and desperate workforce. Yes. That'll... And you, all you have to tell them is you're a independent contractor. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, you can't collectivize because you're all working for yourselves. Right. It's you're mi- not building anything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have no opportunity to build anything together. It's this, uh, and there's this whole mythology now that's sold uh, as being an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And if you look into like kind of what's happened with Uber, it, it's you know kind of uh, a very weird important at mm-hmm. uber is what's happened like with their founder with travis calacanis mm-hmm. like he's uh he had to step aside mm-hmm. because there were a lot of qualms with how he handled his own staff under him mm-hmm. you know and how he ran uber corporate yeah. like it was considered very exploitative there were a tremendous amount of sexual harassment mm-hmm. lawsuits uh, at Uber. Uh, also, they, I mean, there were legal issues that they had. They um, were illegally, uh, there was some sort of illegal arbitrage that they were doing. Uh, yeah, they were not, not uh, they weren't actually legally allowed to uh, make the kinds of contracts that they could with mm-hmm. their drivers. Uh, also, they they didn't do very good yeah they didn't do very good um background checks on any of their drivers it was basically if you had a chauffeur's license you were hired Mm -hmm. um so there were a lot of like um sexual harassment and assault uh claims you know uh directed at uber because of these drivers it's like well they're they're uber drivers so you're responsible and then they're like oh that's where I don't use Uber anymore. I he, use Lyft. He also uh, directed their IT department workers to hack Lyft, like and hack their competitors. <laughs> like he, I didn't yes. know that. <laughs> and so that was, when that came out, that kind of like sealed his deal. He was already uh, looked down upon for sex harassment issues mm-hmm. and and sort of the kind of state, the way like being kind of an abusive manager and sorts of things like that, and also just. Their, the the things that their legal department was asked to do and asked to justify, you know, in in the cases of skirting licensing restrictions for mm-hmm. taxis and those sorts of things, like they weren't actually supposed to be able to operate in a lot of the jurisdictions, mm-hmm. but they did it anyway. Yeah, and they got sued, you know, in those jurisdictions, mm-hmm. and now uh, they can't do it anymore, or they settled out of court right. more more frequently. Right. So this just leads to workers having absolutely no power yeah at all um and unable to unionize so so we didn't really go through it but steven young's character he tries to unionize everybody and they do for a short period and then it just dissolves yeah yeah. and there's there's a point in this movie where it's he's already um uh, cassius green has already discovered these horse people Mm -hmm. and what um worry-free is doing um this company that offers you a place to live and everything to work at their company yeah it's very it's very interesting it's um it reminds me of because it's something like if you were desperate you could see it and be like yeah okay yeah sounds good and this it's kind of what china does yeah and yeah what's really interesting about this is that 
they're in in California now. This is starting to be a thing that's pitched in a lot of cities. Like they call it co-living situations, mm-hmm. and there are actually uh, like apartment complexes and 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 buildings that they're doing this thing that was on Sorry to Bother You. Like they're 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 you pay a certain amount of rent, but you don't get your own room even. Like you get a bunk. Yeah, and Ugh, you have to. Yeah, and you have like a shared kitchen <clears throat> or whatever, but you don't have you have a shared bedroom and and it's only works that way in like the tech area because it's impossible to afford to live yeah and <laughs> you can't that's, afford to live in in the san francisco bay area yeah. it's impossible and you have to make a ridiculous amount of money even programmers have a hard time mm-hmm. you know you um it's like if you make like two hundred thousand dollars a year, you're middle class. Yeah, it's considered like being here in, yeah. around Detroit and making like 60 grand. Yeah. You know, which is absolutely absurd, but that's because your rent is going to be, <clears throat> unless you're a trust fund baby and your father already gave you a yeah. house by the beach. Right. Like you're going to be paying an absurd rent and absurd healthcare costs mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. Your, your gas is $5 a gallon at right. least, you know? Right. Um, and nothing is really being done about it. No, um, it's only because, being accelerated. Right. So there's a point in the, and I'm going to tie into that. So there's a point in this movie where he, he goes on TV and he's on this like very weird show. It's like punch me in the face. Yeah. Or whatever. It's, um, what's it called? Uh, I got the shit kicked out. I got the shit kicked out of me, and it's it's kind of like a really, it's like idiocracy, but it's like a really dumb comment on like, oh, we watch stupid TV. It's yeah, like, all right, I, whatever. It's so supposed he, to be like a ja- like a Japanese game show. Yeah. Where, you know. <laughs> so he 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 gets the shit kicked out of him, and he finally he says like, whatever. If I can just get through this, I need to tell people what what's going on at Worry Free, and he yep. he tells them the story that they're like. <laughs> turning black men into, into horses, horses yeah. and or horse people, giant horse people. And t- nobody like, yeah. Okay. They, they're like, Oh, that's terrible. But then nothing happens. The, well, something does happen. Their stock goes through the roof. Oh yes. Right. Their stock goes through the roof because that's just the way our fucking society works. Because America. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's interesting. Oh, I'm going to buy that. Um, yeah. So Stephen Young, they're, they're like in a, a um in a diner and mm-hmm. uh like a stanfield's character cash screen the main character comes up to him and they have like a little bit of like oh sorry dude you know sort of thing yeah and this is really like really like <laughs> yeah the, okay it all's forgiven i guess but steven young says something to the effect of um like oh i can't believe or um cash screen's like i can't believe the stock goes up like uh, what's going on and steven young says something to the effect of uh, when you show people a problem, people just learn to live with it. Only mm-hmm. when you show people the solution will anything change, and and that's very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you have, I mean, just look at the the election cycle. Only people are like, we have these problems, and you know, th- uh, mainstream Democrats and Republicans are just like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, this sucks, and then nothing happens. Right, and it's just status quo as usual. Yeah. But, but that's that's a really good point because it's probably like if if this movie should have been about one thing in in particular, it should have been about that thesis statement right there. And that's where it, it it's kind of annoying because it's like, and it's ironic because it's like you spent the whole movie addressing all these problems mm-hmm. and glancing over all these like labor problems, racism problems, 
capitalism problems. Yeah. And you didn't offer any solutions. It's a very so, vivid so, like, analogies. Yeah. So thing. it's like either the, they're being ironic or this movie is incredibly meta. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe so, some, uh, maybe yeah. some of A and Colin B yeah. as well. So, yeah. Uh, so what's the solution, Boots? What Like, what do we do? And that's, the, again, like, that's the, the problem it goes both ways. So the problem in in uh, tech tech, uh, what am I trying? Silicon Valley yeah. is the problem is we can't afford rent mm-hmm. and we need workers, but they can't afford to live here. Right. Let's build this. This is our solution. Yeah, it's a bad solution to a bad problem. Uh huh. But then that becomes a problem, and unfortunately, nobody wants to hear the solution of rent control. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear the solution of, um, um proper ta- like proper taxation of these companies right these rich like more wealthy ceos yes. to be able to afford specific housing and infrastructure right, right. and it, you know it starts with you you kind of treat the people on the bottom uh in in a little i mean people hate the word leveling but really you have to do a little bit of it mm-hmm. you know you have to make small steps from the bottom like for instance uh it detroit dsa uh, there's a really big <laughs> Medicare for all, you know, mm-hmm. little group that uh, they do a lot of outreach and um, it's a lot of uh, it's something that's really getting a lot of traction now because uh, the, even the majority of Republicans think it's a good I'm idea starting to think that. Yep. But the Republican politicians are not because the people that fund their campaigns hate it mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. You know, it the people that fund their campaigns are generally people who own companies or or companies themselves. Right. And it's good for their bottom line to keep people without good healthcare, Mm -hmm. to keep people uh, paying through their nose for healthcare, to keep people paying through their nose for anything. Really? Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, because the less money you have, the less of a voice you have in this country, Mm -hmm. really. And because now we have sort of legalized corruption uh, since Citizens United Mm -hmm. and through other deregulation measures that Mm -hmm. were on the books that have mostly been completely rolled back or destroyed by the Supreme Court, um, we do, you know, you really literally uh, can have a stronger voice if you have more money. And, and mm-hmm. that's always been the case. Yeah. But uh, through things like McCain-Feingold, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and various regulations on how much of a voice you actually can have, how much of a politician you actually can buy mm-hmm. in plain daylight, mm-hmm. um, that had kind of been moderated and curtailed. And now we're in a point in history where it's kind of gone the opposite way, where... Uh, where giving money to politicians is kind of considered an absolute. Um, and it's kind of considered something that uh, freedom of speech is now in a lot, of, especially in a lot of conservative dogma mm-hmm. uh, and the main, not, not all conservative dogma because there are certain conservatives who don't believe that, who think that that's really bad. Yeah. Um, but in the mainstream conservative dogma, especially uh, it's, it's considered speech and money are considered interchangeable. Yeah. It, to an extent, yeah, it 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 can be like it, it is obviously um, in the in the most negative sense, mm-hmm. um, and that I see nothing wrong with being able to donate to the candidate of your choice. But yes, the fact that a corporation can donate money to a candidate is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and we, we, the crazy thing there is 
McCain-Feingold was generally a good thing, you mm-hmm. know, and those were good measures and it was not nearly enough because there were, even at that time, you know, I remember when I was in high school, people were constantly talking about soft money. You know, soft money was when you paid a candidate, uh, you, ca- you can pay their what we now call PACs, right? Yes. You can pay a group. You cannot directly pay a candidate, mm-hmm. but you can pay a group. Uh, the Republican National Committee, right? And you they'll can, then distribute the and money. And they will then. But there were limits on soft money as well, especially in certain states that had, uh, But and there was also the public financing system, mm-hmm. um, which was now nobody, even especially for public, uh, for presidential elections, nobody takes the public money. But until uh, like McCain and Obama, mm-hmm. like, you could get whatever it was. It was increased every year, but I think at that time it was something like $60 million for a presidential election. Oh, no. And the, the the federal government would give this to you, yeah. you know? And, and, but the, the, the thing that happened then was you couldn't directly take money from uh, corporations or from people mm-hmm. uh, at like uh, past a very, very small. Yeah, it wasn't like 7,000 or, yeah, or something very, very small. Like very that. small. Yeah. yeah. It was a very small limit. And so you were curtailing the amount of money that you could take. Um, and so previously, like maybe 10 years before that, uh, a lot of people uh, when like just after McCain Feingold uh, Act was. Do you know when that was? Right uh, I want to say mid 90s. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. It's too young. Um, but <laughs> before that, uh, you know, it, there was all this talk about soft money, which was like basically what what is giving money to a political action mm-hmm. committee now, not directly giving money to a candidate, mm-hmm. and that was generally okay. But the thing was also, if you gave money to a political ad, uh, advocacy uh, group, they couldn't directly say vote for mm-hmm. John McCain or vote for right. Barack Obama. They had to say support these issues they couldn't they they were legally prohibited from directly supporting a candidate which was one of the uh, the prohibitions in mccain fine okay and if you took the public money uh even you know even now i don't even know if it's available but no candidate signs up for those restrictions anymore it's it's completely ineffective yeah because you can just have a political action committee bingo just fund your campaign yeah and since citizens united it yeah, that's what what happened. Right? right. So long story short, we have absolutely no power, and uh, <laughs> the only way we will ever regain power is if we vote in the people who want these things to go away. Definitely vote. Everybody yes. should vote because you know the more people that vote, uh, the better represented we are theoretically and sort of in practice. Mm-hmm. Like you know, because if you vote in someone. Uh, who otherwise, if, if a lot of people hadn't came out, mm-hmm. you know, who has just a very small constituency and uh, very few people voted in that election, mm-hmm. the the power of each single vote, uh, it's really not a lot, mm-hmm. you know? It, they know that not a lot of people came out. There's a lot of people that stayed home. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really going to be that... Um, in tune, invested yeah. in tune. Yeah. They're going to do what they're going to do. If a lot of people come out and, you know, uh, the majority their- of people vote in that election, in that race, there's kind of more of a say that, yeah. you know, that people have. It's in. like, yeah, he, it's just an attitude thing. You know, if you got for the longest time, shit, I, f- 
as long as I can remember. And even, fuck, I would say just from the 70s since Nixon and on to mm, now, kind of, even still going up today, just a total apathy and a total... Yeah. um, Because, like, nobody trusts the government after Nixon and And, everything. So it was like, oh, whatever, it's just going to be the same... It's going to be the same uh, as it always is. So I'm just going to vote for the guy that is similar to, in a way to me. And then those that that attitude rubs off on your politicians, mm-hmm. and then they just do things because to keep the status quo going. And ask yourself if this is how you want things to be. Yeah. Because right now, that whenever I see you know, you know, it's so ironic because I see conservatives complaining about the way things are. And it's if you just like start talking to them, you start to realize, oh, we kind of believe the same thing yeah. in a oh, sense. Yeah. Like, but yes, I ag- agree that things are bad and I agree that uh, the two party system sucks and that uh, Republicans and Democrats like a lot of conservatives don't like Republicans. Mm-hmm. Like I know my my dad, he's a conservative and he hates parties. And it's like there are things that we can agree on and, and move toward Um, right now. It's just so polarized because that sells ratings, but you, (laughs) um, if you start voting apathetically and you start voting for the lesser of two evils, it shows in your government Mm -hmm. in your government. Um, And I feel hopeful, even though we have probably going to go down as one of the worst presidents we will ever have. Um, up there with Nixon, up there with uh, Andrew Johnson, up there with um, um, George W. Bush, even. But even God, even in comparison, George W. Bush isn't as as bad as this. Um, if I see hope, <laughs> I see hope in younger people, mm-hmm. and and I always say that you you just you have to vote and young people have a tendency not to vote in midterm elections and this is this will be coming out the day before election day and you know it's too late now if you're not registered you can't vote unfortunately um there is a ballot <laughs> there is a, a a a proposal in michigan the proposal number three it's a voters voter. not yep. politicians uh that's Proposal, proposal two, two excuse but, me. yeah, that's important. Proposal three is also voter access. It will, when it's passed, it will be um, uh, automatic registration if you choose so when you get your driver's license. Yeah, um, it'll enable straight ticket voting, uh, which cuts down on uh, wait times. Oh, and yeah. a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, you should be able to be, you should be informed on all your candidates." It's like you know, just let people vote the way they want to vote. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Let people vote the way they want to vote, and it will also be. Um, same day registration. Mm-hmm, so if huge. you don't, if you are not registered and you miss the deadline, say there is a deadline now, but there won't be a deadline. Mm-hmm. And this, if you miss the deadline, you can then go to the poll booth or to the the polling location that you're in mm-hmm. in the area that you're in, and say I'm not registered. I'd like to register now and vote, and they will do it for you. Um, Which, that and that is huge. And yeah. Uh, it's just a known thing that when voter turnout is high, the left wins and the left makes pretty true. Yeah. The left makes ground. Yeah. Um, when voter turnout's low, the Republicans win. Yeah. Um, generally in today's environment. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's always <coughs> the case, but it's in today's environment, it's pretty documented. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Which is why, um, I mean, I get a lot of left news and I'm, in a lot of leftist circles and honestly 
uh, circles of people who uh, aren't ashamed to call themselves communists mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's changing. Now, yeah, it, it really is changing. A lot of young people, you know, I find uh, don't because we haven't been raised with red scares yeah. kind of really at all. Or I mean, we've had kind of a little bit, but it hasn't been. It's it just seems like a comical thing, right? You know, we we didn't grow up with Joseph McCarthy, right? Uh, saying things, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of those people are are very unabashedly, uh, socialist or or communist or, mm-hmm. or all these sorts of things, um, and uh, you hear a lot about voter disenfranchisement, mm-hmm. specifically in Georgia right <clears throat> now. Um, the guy who is running for governor against, uh, I think, uh, Jack Kemp or something, or yeah, John Kemp. Kemp. I think it's Jack Kemp against Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Yep. Is uh, also their secretary of state. Yeah. Uh, and he runs the election, and he's uh, taken five hundred sixty thousand people off the yeah, voter rolls. Just purged them. Yeah. And uh, according to one outside estimate, uh, three hundred sixty thousand of those were illegitimate. Like, yeah, yeah, wow, you yeah. Know? And it's exactly for the reason that you just said because he knows that when uh, there's a huge turnout, uh, the left usually wins. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of banking on I'm going to disenfranchise enough people that I'm going to win. Right. And Stacey Stacey Abrams is ahead by one percent in the polls right now, but she still might not win. Right. Because there's so much disenfranchisement. Yeah, I read that um, early voting has been in her favor, though. Like, a lot of the early voting results, she's been up. So, we can only pray. But, but yeah, and who knows how many of those are even right. recorded. And it's the same same thing that happened in um, North Dakota. Similar things. They, they changed the rules so that in order to register to vote, you had to have an actual street address. Mm-hmm. And the North Dakota um, Native American population is pretty... It, substantial you know it's in the great plains it's substantial and they don't have street addresses yeah they don't have streets they have yeah they have p.o boxes Uh uh-huh so you just completely erase their right to vote just disenfranchise all the native americans yeah and like you know it can be i i hear the argument on that side it's like oh well we can't just you know there people are just vote you know you you how hard is it to get an id and it's It's, like it's hard for some people it's easy for you because you have a job and you have a car right and you're mobile and you Mm -hmm. can just go up and afford to take a day off work you have all these people who are working part-time jobs who can't um take a day off work to go get a voter id card or whatever yeah it's fucking bullshit yeah a lot of these and those arguments are really coming from a place of privilege like you're privileged because you have all these things lined up you have Mm -hmm. a mailbox you've had for the same 30 years you know it's like great for you but there are a lot of people who can't who haven't had a mailbox because they're between houses because they're so poor they have a mental issue Mm -hmm. you know which you know i mean I really hate that in this country it's acceptable to stigmatize people with mental issues mm-hmm. at all, you know? Um, I mean, I've, uh, I have OCD myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I went through like six years of treatment. I consider myself pretty much a stable member of society there, mm-hmm. but there are some rough periods where I could see myself. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't, um, considered a good programmer, I could have been out on the street very easily, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't see a position where we're just going on and on here, but yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. But uh, I just don't see how you could ever be on the side with a clean conscience of um, making it harder for people to vote. Mm-hmm. 
as if there's some sort of grand conspiracy that people are voting multiple times. And that's kind of part of the propaganda is that uh, a lot of people that are arguing that, oh, this is a good thing. You make you you literally put barriers in mm-hmm. front of people so they can't vote. Yeah, it makes it a, a cleaner election. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, or they a, think that people voting twice or people uh like that happens that like like felons that shouldn't vote like are being counted like mm-hmm. no yeah it doesn't like, there's happen. this that literally is unheard of yeah you know there's maybe like in an entire state there might be like four or five four cases. or five <laughs> cases of voter fraud fraud yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in an entire election yeah. but election like, fraud on. Election fraud's huge. Election fraud is yeah, that massive. doesn't get talked about. Well, it does now. It's starting to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. Just and you know the the thirty percent of votes in Texas that are being switched from Beto to Ted Cruz yeah. now, yeah, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are. Just, oh God. Well, again, if turnout is high, we won't have to worry about <laughs> yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you get as many people out to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but just exercise your right. You have the right. People died for that right. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up then. Um, Okay. You, you, so uh, let's, uh, sorry to bother you back to, sorry to bother you. (laughs) Maybe, you know, my, my whole point was like uh, about the, (laughs) the, the incredibly long, like, list of things that it talks about and it mm-hmm. comments about i think it's just like sorry sorry to bother you but um there's a lot of shit there that is. i want to talk about <laughs> a whole lot of issues <laughs> yeah but i don't i don't want to dig too deep into them um and i think it, i think it's the movie's worth worth a view mm-hmm. uh, i recommend it just because it's very different mm-hmm. um and it's as somebody like okay so Co- colin uh co-host he saw it and he wasn't able to join us obviously but he said um, he said something to the effect of it. It really felt like a directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Like it felt, uh, you could tell it was the director's first film. Sure. Like it, to me, and I agree, it felt like a student film with a multi-million dollar budget <laughs> and great actors. Yeah, I think you know if if you'll do all right if you go to watch this movie with like the mindset you would take to like Scott Pilgrim versus mm-hmm. the world or something. Very open minded. It's, it's scattered. It does weird stuff. There's weird humor in it. Out of place humor at times, just odd choices. Yeah. Um, it's a ride and it's very weird. Um, and there's, there's a, a little bit there. There are feelers of, of interesting motifs and themes and questions about society in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend it for that. Uh, I don't think it's a good movie, <laughs> but I disagree. I think it's a good movie. Okay, I do. All right, uh, but I do recommend it. I don't think it's a good movie, but it's a, it's a recommend for me. I also recommend. Yes. So, uh, so we'll wrap up there. And but um, we usually wrap up with uh, our weekly recommends. We our streaming recommends. Like um, Justin, have you been watching anything like regularly on that you can stream? Yeah. Um, so recently I've been watching the new season of Bob's Burgers, which is phenomenal, not a movie, but, um, I think we talked about I, which I, I watched recently, a couple weeks ago. Um, and that's available streaming on Hulu. I would recommend I, to anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, kind of content warning. There is some violence in there, some domestic violence and some rough things. Yeah, it gets pretty rough. But I, I really enjoyed that movie. I, I thought it had a, 
it was very interesting what it had to say about um like tv news media mm-hmm. uh, and how out of how overblown it it gets um and i liked how it ended it was like i ah, things just kind of stopped paying attention to me and it like pans down to the tv and it's the white bronco yeah white bronco it's like oh that's what we did in the 90s we went from one crazy scandal to the next i thought it was a really good like uh was it like people versus oj simpson mm-hmm. sort of thing i think uh i Tanya did uh kind of even a better way of telling that yeah. sort of story you know and it yeah. wrapped and it wasn't like a long series it, it wrapped up quickly and and did it in a very entertaining way Mm -hmm. and yeah and it it told the story from multiple different viewpoints because you know if you saw it just from the tv news media viewpoint tanya harding is a monster Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i don't you know i don't believe that you know yeah uh and i like that's why i liked about this movie she was very sympathetic and like she didn't really know what was going on and got all the brunt yeah and got fucking screwed by the courts oh yeah and um, her uh uh allison janney her mother oh my God. phenomenal a, what yeah. a powerhouse yeah she won the I, she won the oscar for that so yeah and she she was great in that mm-hmm. uh, and also evil person uh what's the dude's name uh, paul walter hauser paul who, walter hauser he, yeah. he plays the jeff the yeah. dumbass friend the, uh the bodyguard yeah, yeah. the bodyguard <laughs> the, and then they show those like actual clips uh in the interview end, yeah. clips and it's so like, you were in special forces yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're just like clearly lying yeah he's like he's so he's comically unbelievable mm-hmm. in the movie and then they show that and like you know my my i totally was like this guy is like way over the top and then you see that at the end and you're like no he's not right this is totally how he was this is crazy yeah um yeah so yeah i tanya on hulu hell yeah watch that that's awesome um what about you what's your recommend um i want to recommend i think i may have already recommended it but i i do want to recommend i want to recommend big mouth okay (laughs) yeah i watched the first the first episode of the new series okay yeah season um i think that show is really I, I use the term um, like important. Mm-hmm. It's very important. It's a very like body positive, um, like no shame sort of uh, show that kind of like tells, shows kids. And I think young kids should watch the show, to be honest. Um, it shows them like everything's going to be okay. This mm-hmm. is normal. Um, don't worry so much about it. Like things are going to be embarrassing in your life. And God, it's so relatable watching that show. Yeah. Just being like, oh my, this hurts. Like this, this and <laughs> strikes me to my core. Like every ridiculously well-known comic mm-hmm. like in, in America right now yeah. is like in that show. Yeah. Nick too. Kroll's great. Nick Kroll. John Mulaney. John Mulaney. Jenny Slate. Jason Montezugas. Montezugas I, yep. I will sign up for anything Jenny Slate does. Mm-hmm. She's like my favorite. She's great. Before. Um, uh, uh, the obvious child. Did you see that? No. Um, she, it, it was like her first like lead performance in a movie. It's an independent movie, and she plays a stand-up who. Uh, let me see if I can. Who gets pregnant from a one-night stand and then has to like weigh the options of whether she wants to have an abortion or not. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's very, um, it's very good. Yeah, that sounds. It amazing. was one of my favorites from a few years ago. So I would, 
highly recommend it. Let's see I if will, I can find. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm yeah. up for anything Jenny Slate's in. Yeah, definitely. Ob- obvious Child. It was um, nominated for nominated for Independent Spirit Awards for Best Female Lead. Um, lots of Best Actress awards. She's very good in it, and it's um, it tackles the subject with you know from like kind of both sides of like yeah it's not easy mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to go through um very good one of my favorites it's a very funny very funny movie okay um yeah so big mouth and big also mouth obvious and child. obvious child okay. yeah good thanks for getting me there yeah um because i feel like i always recommend big mouth i'm like you guys gotta watch big mouth um all right well yeah so this has been do you have anything to plug um, I'm going to have a new show on, oh, yeah. Planet, Podcast on the Planet Podcast Network, uh, dealing with, uh, live improv and live recorded, uh, Foley recordings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think we have an official name for that. No. But, uh, yeah. Look it sounds to that. fun. Yeah. It's going to be on the not yet formed Planet Ant Podcast, uh, showcase channel. Right. Yes. So that will be, look for Planet Ant Podcasts on facebook and on Mm -hmm. social um and on the internet wherever you can find it uh and there will be blog posts posted about these channels and stuff and there will be more advertisements uh for these as well yep and i think uh the around the first of next year is when we're planning on doing like a few new shows like that and they're gonna all have uh limited like six episode runs Mm -hmm. i think is what we're planning and there's gonna be a few of them at least Mm mm-hmm Awesome. Yep. It, there's exciting things going on with Planet Podcasts. So. Definitely. So, again, my name is Mitch Haba, and this was Justin Vera. Thank you, Justin, for coming and yeah. being on the show. Glad to do it. I'd do it again. Yes, of course. I will I will have guests on more, more frequently. Um, this has been the Planet Amp Filmcast. Uh, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. And go vote. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you'd like to contribute to the discussion or have any comments or concerns, please email us at filmcast at planetantpodcast.com. That's filmcast at planetantpodcast.com. The Planet Ant Filmcast is a production of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and is powered by Podcasts.